Welcome to the first episode of the Roundtable of Rehab. So with co-hosts Michael and Rohan. Howdy, what's going on? And today, we're going to be introducing ourselves and telling you a little bit about our background, who we are, and why we do what we do. Yeah, let's get into it. So just basically going to talk about our like origin story. Sounds pretty badass to me. Yeah. And so where we come from. Villain arc. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of like a villain arc now. It's yeah. not, but um, I'll leave it over to you. So you could tell us, uh, so Rohan's going to tell us a little bit about his background and origin where, what he does and what his profession is. And then we're just going to roll on with it. Yeah. All right. So, go for it, man. well, first things first, I'm a clinical practitioner, uh, specializing in osteopathy as well. So the, the way that I kind of look at patients is a bit more broad compared to your other healthcare practitioners, but I've always enjoyed helping people, always enjoyed um, training, strength conditioning. Uh, I do combat sports, so I'm a national level wrestler. I've competed at nationals a fair few times. I was currently training for the 2026 Commonwealth Games, but they've just removed wrestling from the Commonwealth Games. Bullshit, really? Nah, they did. They replaced it with uh, lawn balls and uh, extreme BMX. Yeah, I'm not even shitting you. How's so. that make you feel? Horrible. Horrible, mate. Lawn balls took over wrestling. It's <laughs> fucked. All right, no, keep going, keep going. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> also very, very fond powerlifter. I love powerlifting. I um, competed for a fair few years. I'm actually going back on the platform very, very soon. Date to be announced, but uh, keep an eye on that one. Done osteopathy since 2021, but I started my my um, education in 2017 at RMIT after deferring my 26, 2016 application. I wanted a bit of a, a year off just to get some money under my belt, get some experience in the workforce before going back to uni and going back to education. So found that had a natural knack for helping people and I wanted to pursue that route and uh, ultimately take the next step and do medicine and be an MD, sports physician. Awesome, Sounds, man. Yeah. What about yourself, Michael? Uh, so quite similar to you, actually. Oh, um, so I'm also an osteo and strength conditioning coach as well. Got my level one in ASCA. I uh, graduated osteo mid-2021, so just um, over a year ago. I participate in powerbuilding, so it's not really bodybuilding or powerlifting. It's kind of a little bit of both. A bit of both. That's a pretty common thing nowadays, isn't it? It is It is pretty common, I'd yeah. say. It's like, you know, you start off with like a, a, a strength-based um, movement. So you might do like a compound movement, like a squat, for example. You go pretty heavy as, um, as heavy as possible for a few reps, and then you just get stuck into your secondary movements, which might be like unilateral work. For Try like a, a bodybuilder for your accessories. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, very um, nice. I'm also a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, oh. so absolutely love that. And I've been doing martial arts since I was 17 years old. So I started off with Muay Thai and uh, went into freestyle wrestling and MMA shortly after. And then discovered the beautiful world of Jiu-Jitsu in around 2017, 2018 and have been doing it ever since, apart from COVID. Uh, yeah, I still train during COVID. You still train during COVID? Yeah, our gym was open. Do you want a medal? Do you want a medal? Like, I mean, I mean, I'll have a first medal, thank you. Yeah, I mean, to replace the Commonwealth Games. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> too soon? Is it too soon? Nah, you're good, mate. You're good. Don't worry. You just still won't, you yeah. still won't throw down me, though. No, that's, that's you, you very true. You refuse to throw me down, sir. I mean, I just run away. It's, it's, it's pretty effective. <laughs> that's what you do to guys do. do. You sit in your ass and back up. All right, so what made you want to become an osteo? I would say the leading driver or the catalyst for wanting to become an osteo or just a clinical practitioner in general was seeing a lot of injuries during my time training. So I've done combat sports since, since I was about eight years old. So I've done karate, kickboxing for as long as I can remember, ever since I could walk essentially. 
And along that journey, I saw a lot of injuries. Myself personally, I probably only would have had, you know, small minor niggles or, you know, little sprains and all this and that. But I would see some pretty horrific stuff a little bit later on, especially in the, the wrestling realm. So I started wrestling and jiu-jitsu, yeah, very similar time, 2018 actually, yeah, nice. um, which was really, really good. So my MMA gym foreman, I, I taught a kid's karate for a while and she said, hey, come down to the gym and throw down with the big guys. And I got my ass smacked around for a bit, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you love that. <laughs> oh, nah, mate, but the, they don't like my double legs now. So yeah. then I double. would see just a lot of injuries. And I think to myself, shit, well, how can I help her? Because I always had a natural knack for wanting to help people. And I think my mm. biggest drive for that was, all right, well, let's go pursue a university degree and exactly that. And when I got injured myself with a little bit of a lower back injury, I went and saw an osteo. I went and saw a physio originally, but I didn't really like how they approached. It was very... Back then, they were very um, just narrow-minded or very you know short-scoped, I think, and just bend down and do this exercise kind of thing uh, after the examination. But when I saw an osteo, it was very thorough, very um, systematic with how he approached the the assessment, and then the treatment plan was really, really good. I loved how he treated me with the manual therapy, and then also the, the specific exercise, because he was a powerlifter as well. So the specific exercise he gave me, and then he would progress those exercises. So it wasn't just do these 3 by 12 exercises, and that's it. He would actually go, all right, next week we're going to progress. The week after that, we're going to this. And he kind of laid it out for me in a way that I absolutely loved. And I wanted to carry that sort of passion and drive for helping those people. And I think that was the biggest catalyst for me in my pursuit for uh, for osteopathy. And I'll graduate in 2021 in, in RMIT. Now we're going to chase the big MD, the big medical degree, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. Mikey, what about you? Uh, so similar, similar to you again. Uh, so good. I had... I was like quite sporty um, growing up as a kid. So I played soccer for 10 years, did gymnastics for a little bit and, yeah, some, you did. A- <laughs> and some athletics. And, oh, same. Yeah? Yeah, sprints yeah, with nice. my stuff. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then I also just, and then I went straight into martial arts and, yeah. and um, entered the gym and the weight room and everything like everything, that. Every growing boy's big yeah. aspiration is just get as jacked as strong as possible. Absolutely. It? And then um, well, I actually like did cheerleading for a little bit as well true i was How a cheerleader was that? that was awesome who were uh so it was a couple of teams so it was rmit and then i did it with atomic which is a proper cheerleading club um and i was on a team called blackout yeah nice. so pretty cool That's pretty uncommon for a guy to do cheerleading isn't it yeah a little bit uh but it was good fun like you know threw the girls around like caught them up in the air and yeah. stuff like that it requires did lots a bit of, of overhead strength doesn't it overhead strength exactly but that's right. kind of how i landed into the the injuries that i had still i i had it i was like dealing with for for quite a long time so i basically like had micro fractures in my shoulders shit and that's gnarly even before that though i dislocated my shoulder yep so i was doing i was at bounce i was doing some weird double back flip twist thing and nailed it by the way but i just fell forward into the pit and my arm came up and it went into like, you know, abduction, external rotation. You know, the typical... Typical, yeah, Yeah, the typical dis- position. anterior dislocation yep. um, position. And I was referred to a physio um, at... So that's where, like, obviously it peaked. My interest in physical therapy was originally was a physio. Um, uh, Dr. Michael uh, Chan at Top to, Top to Toe Health down in Templestowe. So he was, he was amazing. He's still there? He's still there. Very he, good. he runs the clinic. Um, but yeah, uh, helped me out just with like rehabilitation and help goal setting, building rapport and just took me through all the, the exercises and just built up my capacity with my shoulder. And now it's, 
it feels fantastic. Yeah. I can still do everything that I that I love doing, shoulder pressing and whatnot. Yeah, I saw that today, doing some overheads. Yes, good. absolutely. Some power abandoned overheads yeah. and everything like that. is very taxing on those shoulders, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't like keep them in and stuff, people just, just want to yank them. Just, yeah. just want to crank them. But, um, but yeah, so that was... At, I was just really taken aback by how professional they were and... and I love the process and I love uh, building myself back up and I got, I developed this really thorough understanding of um, how injuries are rehabilitated and the process of like the body's healing itself and tissue healing times and um, going from like, you know, just improving and getting back to normal range of motion all the way through to working on deceleration, like concentric yeah, stuff, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it really fascinated me and I just knew, and I, I love helping people. I was, I've always wanted to help people in some way, one form or, or another. So whether that be a doctor, whether that's like uh, a physio or in the gym as a PT or a strength and conditioning coach, whatever, I've always wanted to help people. And then osteo just seemed to be the right fit, man. So definitely. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more osteos who do powerlifting and strength and conditioning now that are coming out of the woodworks, I find from university. Absolutely. It's a little bit of a, a movement now, I think. A little bit of a, yeah. a revolution in the healthcare system. Oh, for sure. Which is really good. So yeah. Now, <clears throat> origin story, villain arc. The villain arc. Why we want to progress even further. Yes. So now, the MD. The MD. The, the challenge. Inf the infamous MD. Why we want to become physicians and oh, osteopathic physicians. I'm not sure we're allowed to call ourselves that. I think that's an American thing. It's definitely American. Anyway, we want to become physicians, and I'll let Rohan explain why he wants to become a physician. Yeah. Well, very simple, really. You just want to help people, right? And, you know, the natural calling, I think, for both of us is to help people and how can we take that step a little bit further and pursue the ultimate goal, very difficult goal, very long and arduous journey that a lot of people would give up just at the sheer sight of looking at how hard it's going to be. But my, uh, not many people know, but my dad got pretty sick in third year uni to the point where I actually probably had to think about quitting uni and, and work full time. I was working probably about 30 hours, 32 hours a week while studying uni that's probably why i didn't do too much study with the boys mm. you boys know who they are <laughs> yeah yeah you guys can confirm that he didn't know study at all right yeah so Bullshit. Bullshit. i remember going to going home after uni it was tuesday night uh finished finished uni finished training i come home and my my dad had made me dinner a good lad right and i just noticed that he wasn't he didn't have any food in front of me and i said to him oh, you're not hungry dad He's like, oh, nah, not really. So I started chowing in and being a bit oblivious and naive to the situation. But he kind of just paused and said, son, I got cancer. And I think, fuck. I kept eating, but I was like, fuck. Yeah, that's horrible. So I had to figure out in that moment there and then, all right, well, do I quit uni to take up full, full-time work to kind of pay for rent? And, you know, at this time, you know, not, not the richest family, but there are a few other things that kind of play a part in me having to work full-time. And we'll discuss that another time, all right? But... Yeah. I, in that moment, I felt pretty helpless. So it was it was stage two colon cancer. And I was thinking, oh, fuck, you know, this this could be it. I could say goodbye to my dad or, you know, I don't know how treatment plan's going to go. And he's, he's asking me, you know, what he should do because he's he's above 50. And what the government does, they give you these test kits to check for bowel cancer, right? And bowel cancer runs in my family. And I was thinking, well, I'll never forget how helpless I felt in that period of time. You know, being an osteo. I was third year osteo. What the fuck can I do? And I was like, well... No, I've got to pursue medicine. This is it. I've got to help people. I've got to take that next step and, you know, catch those early symptoms and catch those signs and in clinic in those patients coming in. And it's not just, you know, common things that occur commonly, but not all the time. 
right? So he didn't have any symptoms, which is the interesting part. You know, he didn't have the uh, all the typical symptoms you would have with colon cancer. But I just remember him telling me he had it, and I was like, "Fuck, well, something's got to change." And I think that was the biggest catalyst to me at that moment in the direction of my life. Is like, all right, I'm, I'm going to take the ultimate sacrifice and take the ultimate selfish part and do medicine to help people. So you got you got to be selfish to do medicine to help people. Yeah, absolutely, dude. The, yeah. Dichot- the dichotomy in that is crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I so, mean, you got to make those sacrifices um, in your own personal life to order in, in order to achieve your goals. Yeah, and I've always had a fascination with medicine. Anyway, I've, I knew mm. when I grew up, I wanted to be in the medical field, whether it was paramedic, doctor, surgeon, anything. I, I was just fascinated by it. So, and then that particular moment solidified where I was going to go. So, yeah, beautiful man. What about you, Michael? What was your origin story? What what kind of made you want to delve into medicine and, and go on that war path? So back in 2012, quite specific, um, I was doing my year 12 year and I was just at home one day and I was just, I had just finished studying and then I, I was doing some something out the back like with dad or doing some gardening or whatever um, afterwards. And then we walked in the front door and then mum was, wasn't looking like too good. And we were just asking what's up, what was, what was going wrong. Um, and she just looked like she was like kind of in and out of consciousness, like a little bit. And she has uh type two diabetes. So uh, insulin dependent or non insulin dependent? Ah, uh, yeah. Insulin dependent. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, but she wasn't managing it uh, oh, okay. as well as uh, she uh, could have been um, at that present time. And we just noticed that she had a couple of skin color changes. So especially in her eyes as well. So they were yellow, which is yeah. jaundice. Liver. So yep. that's uh, when you get a discoloration of your eye color you can do it can be in like the the palm of your hands as well and in your skin and it's usually an indication of liver uh, disease, liver disease yeah. or like uh, and in her case a non-alcoholic fatty liver disease yeah um and we were really concerned and obviously nothing like that had previously happened um in our family so dad and i rushed her to hospital and the doctors i remember the doctor like this the specialist the endocrinologist he was so like accommodating and lovely and made my mom feel really, really comfortable. And I really loved like how he operated. I loved how the nurses treated her mm. and I loved how the, there was like an attending uh, doctor there as well, or a registrar um, who was looking after my mom when, uh, when he wasn't there and they were all really lovely and they, they made her feel really like, you know, really safe and secure and they took after, uh, took care of her and they, you know, prescribed, obviously prescribed medication and um, got her in a really good management plan, yeah. helped her with her diet as well, which explained I was... Explained it all, yeah. Yeah, ex- just explained everything. And I, so. I just remember there was that, that circumstance, there was a couple others, but that was the one that just made me think, holy shit, I could really do this. Yeah. I could, I really, I love helping people and I really... Inspiration. Yeah, it was an inspiration. I really love this setting and I really love, I, I would love to have a to be able to make an impact on other people's families as uh, this man, this man did as well. Um, but then also um, and like what solidified this journey and what made me really, I had more of like a burning desire and, and ambition to get there quicker was my mother actually had a heart attack in 2019. Shit. Um, which my dad did not tell me about until a day after because I'm, um, which like, they wanted me to be like, you, you know, know I actually had the yeah. same. I had the same incident. My mom had a heart attack too. She had an endostomy. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. Non-ST elevated um, myocardial infarct, to be specific. But the uh, yeah, I never forget. She didn't tell me. She's like, "Oh, I'm just going to hospital." Oh, I was in hospital. I was like, "What the fuck?" 
<laughs> yeah. Thanks for telling me. But yeah, that's the thing. So like, they didn't tell me because they wanted to obviously protect me. They yeah. didn't want me to worry yeah. and whatnot. But mother's nurturing. Yeah, but same thing. Like, I went to the hospital. I was like, "What's up?" And the doctors were still, again, really lovely, really accommodating, and still gave and sat sat us all down and said, "You need to make some changes." Which mum is still. Um, been doing to this day and is a lot she healthier. Good? Yeah, she's she's, she's a lot good. better now, yeah, which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, that's that's just basically sparked why I wanted to do it. As well as every now and again, you like as an osteo, you see scans and there might be some something like an underlying pathology. You have no idea what it is, but it doesn't look good. You can't disclose to the patient what it would be. And I almost this, I almost feel like helpless. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. like I really want to help that person and I can't. And so all these things have just led me to go, look, what can we do more? Uh, what can we do uh, more? And I, I just want to be able to like help a lot more people. Absolutely. I That's think, it. I think the important aspect to take away from that. I mean, I know not everyone has the best experiences in, in doctors or, you know, you hear tragic stories about doctors, you know, not delivering the best care or being a very, you know, you know, not listening and all that and not empathetic, but I think it's not, Someone might not remember what you did to them or what you said to them, but they will remember how you made them feel. Absolutely, and I, and I think yes. With your in your mother's case and your family's case, uh, and even my case, you know, my my physio, mm-hmm. just the way they made you feel and take everything into consideration and and just de-escalate what's happening and make you feel really really good is is so important nowadays. I think it's a little bit forgotten, and it's only kind of just being touched on now in the education system. Is oh, there's there's bedside mannerisms and the more focus on the clinical approach to your patients and yeah, you know, it's a medical approach. Yeah. Not really yeah, the biopsychosocial approach which is what osteopathy really entails and takes mm. into consideration. But uh, I think it's really important that it's not just how smart you are, but how can you make a patient feel good? Yes. How can you make light of a bad situation? Yeah. And that's what I think that we can really, really Bring offer it as well. Yeah. And it's it like, Better late than never, I know. It's uh, but I always kind of think, oh, what if I just you know did a little bit better back in high school? Well, how old or, are you? I'm 28 now. 28. I'm 25, right? Yeah. So it's I'm not. A- it's not like it's it's completely fine. Like there's not. It's not like I've, we've run out of time or anything. No, like I know. That, but- I know doctors who are doing the the you know first year rotations and they're 50 years old. Yeah, but that's yeah. So that's another like. Uh, what inspired me to keep going? Like, it's, a, it's a degree and it's a career for life. Yeah, so that's what inspired me. Like, there's like 50 year olds that I know that used to be mechanics or whatever that are now like full like fledged uh, physicians, and yep. they're they're making a massive change. And there's there's it really doesn't matter about like how old you are. It's like if you really want something, you You'll go, go and it. get yeah, it. Absolutely. But um, yeah, unwavering desire to get it and unhinged by failure, I think, is the biggest one as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the yeah. drive to do it. I th- People kind of come out of school not knowing what they want to do. Uh, that was kind of my, you know, in year 11 and year 12, I was like, oh, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wouldn't want to be the MD. I had all these things in the air because I, I wanted to do it all. But then you know, a few things solidified those moments. But kind of reiterating, doesn't matter how old you are, you can achieve those dreams. Like I said, there are 50-year-olds doing their first rotations in the hospitals. Mm. And I think it's really important to think that you don't have to go to, out of high school with that massive 99.97 ATAR go straight into university and then go straight into medicine. You have no bedside mannerisms. You mm. have no clinical experience. You have no, you have no ability to communicate with patients because all you've been doing is reading a textbook. Mm. And I think coming out of osteo, 
having a bit of clinical experience and going back into uni is probably one of being the best decisions of my life. And I yeah. wouldn't, ch- I wouldn't have changed that for sure. I mean, like in hindsight, like it just makes me like you know have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder now uh, that I'm working really bit of hard. An underdog, but, yeah. But yeah, but I've I it just makes me think. Oh yeah, like you know, fuck. I really wish that um, I yeah, don't worry about it. Um, that I makes me really wish that I had worked a little bit harder in high school. But you are right that we do have life experience. We do have, uh, and that's not just with osteo, that's with like lots of different like little bouts of adversity that we've conquered along the way. Mm, whether that's, absolutely. you know, friendships and learning, uh, learning lots of things from my friends, my family, my profession, my just, you know, relationships you even. You get a chance to see things at first sight and you get yeah. the chance to see things clinically, which is really, really important because, you, you know, sometimes common things don't occur commonly. Like with, you know, mm. my dad's symptoms, right? It's completely normal. Yeah, exactly right. But like things have just basically taught us along the way. And I think that we have a lot to offer. And I think that we could probably, we could, you know, I reckon we could change the game. I reckon we might have a good, yeah, a good chance to actually change the game a little bit. That's the whole idea with this uh, this podcast is essentially, or the reason for this podcast is to give insight into another perspective on how to get to medicine, how we can achieve a better sense of patient-centered care, taking a bit more of a biopsychosocial approach to care. And kind of changing, not changing the healthcare system. Was just, oh. just giving our opinion yeah. and philosophy on like what we think uh, is the best approach to particular cases as well as whether that might be uh, the healthcare system, like you said, or whether it might be particular injuries or... Distribution of resources. Distribution of resources, where, or it could be like how a clinic should be run, where the osteo should be in private practice, whatever it might be. But the reason for this podcast is um, we're going to be talking about, you know, anatomy, physiology and things just we, that we find cool. Yep. Just yeah. our philosophy, how we run things or yeah. how, we, how ju- we do things. Our yeah. journey into medicine. Our so journey we're into taking, medicine, yeah. We're taking hopefully next year or year the, the year after at the latest. Yes. Yeah. So, so we'll get, we'll keep you guys updated on um, uh, our the, progress. These podcasts go on for a long time. So yeah. don't worry. Nothing. So this will go through med school. This will go definitely. It's not a matter of um, if. It's a matter of when. It's a matter of when. Um, we're also going to be doing lots of the injury case studies yeah, as well. Yeah, case studies. I think you guys might find that uh, pretty injury, uh, pretty injury, pretty interesting. Uh, how rather. we how we rehab things a bit differently sometimes because not every practitioner rehabs things the same. Um, yeah, exactly. And we like just like bouncing ideas off each other potentially that you guys might find interesting in terms of your own training or rehab or maybe even if you're in your own practice if you are a practitioner or a physio or, or an upcoming or student or listening yeah, if you're an upcoming student, yeah, yeah. student coming up the ranks and wanting to do a little bit more or, or see a little bit more we kind of can provide that as well which i think would be really really good a few injuries that i've seen in the gym wrestling jujitsu a uh, bit more about powerlifting as well um what it's like in a comp prep yeah what it's like prepping uh what it's like doing a combat sport with powerlifting that's a very big one i get asked all the time or how do you do your wrestling at such a high level and do powerlifting at the same time? You know, how do you manage both? How do you manage fatigue? How do you manage uh, injuries? How do you program? That's the big, biggest one I get. And I think delving into that and giving you guys the opportunity to listen to that might give you a bit of an upper hand and your competitive edge. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Talk, like teach them about load management or yeah. how we or how we load manage rather. Yeah. Uh, and we're also going to have some pretty interesting guests on, Ooh, yeah. uh, which we're super excited about. Um, we've got some big names like coming on, um, some big names in the physical therapy world as yep. well as just in the medical world as well. Bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. Powerlifting. Powerlifting. Absolutely. Just- everything. Everything. We're just going to have guests for every modality. Like you're not going to expect it, all right? Like that's, that's just, a, we'll, level, we'll leave Man, it at we're that. Gonna, it's going to be a kind of surprise at the end of the day. It'll be a surprise. Um, but 
What we are going to do, um, and hopefully you guys are still listening up until this point, but we are going to put in little uh, question boxes on our stories for when we do have guests on or just when we're about to release and like or do another episode. And we want you guys to ask us questions. Be specific, be um, like as thorough as you want or like just dive into a particular topic, whatever you want us yeah, to if answer. You guys got an injury, if you guys are coming in with an injury and you've been a victim of poor practice or... A whatever bit, it might be a, yeah whatever's going on we, we can help you as well and use that as a bit of a case history in the podcast i mean i got a lot of people coming in and i'll go to the gym and i can't even get to my my deadlift set up before mm. i get bombarded by people yeah exactly <laughs> we could just basically do like a q a at the end for um for any questions that you might have so we'll chuck that up um pretty much every week and then what we'll also do is that we'll identify the week before we film the or we have the get the particular guest on and then we'll put another question box up but then you guys can ask questions that would be like answered by them so we'll read out the questions to the guests and then the guests will answer everything will be very organized you know hopefully (laughs) no they will trust me i mean we're pretty uh, hopefully we're organized we've been pretty organized recently so that's pretty good it's good mate we'll keep that ball (laughs) surprising but um no it's been really good and we're super excited to um basically you know just talk to you guys and release all this information share this knowledge this content this glorious content this glorious content and Absolutely. hopefully we can get a pretty cool outro it's, song on we're gonna get the plan. Theme. yeah it's been the plan for a fair <laughs> few months now hasn't it yeah. yeah and now it's and now it's finally coming together but on that note thank you so much for listening to the first episode Absolutely. of the, uh, the round table of rehab podcast and stay tuned for the next episode of dragon ball z of the roundtable of rehab podcast Um, thank you guys again we'll see you soon